Welcome to the Wookie Gunners Rebels Chat with your host, Jonah Marie, and the art to my thrawn, my mom, Maria. Rebels Chat is a family-friendly podcast where my daughter and I share impressions, reactions, and our favorite moments of the latest Star Wars Rebels episode. In today's episode, we will be chatting about Hera's Heroes, written by Nicole... Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> now it's your turn. <laughs> Nicole... Dubik? Dubik, maybe? Dubak? Uh, yeah, Dubik. I want to say Dubik. And directed by Mel's Wire. In Hera's Heroes, Hera's rebel supply mission to Ryloth become personal when she and the Ghost crew brave overwhelming Imperial forces to recover a memento from her ancestral home. <laughs> I feel so bad that I butchered her last name. But what's really cool is that, to my recollection, she is the first female writer in oh, cool. of, an, of a Star Wars Rebels episode. Because I went through the list, and the writers, they include Stephen Melching, Matt Mignovitz, Henry Gilroy, all these awesome people. But then when I saw that Nicole was writing this episode, I was like, yes, finally! A girl! A, a woman writing an episode. I mean, there's a lot of awesome women who are working behind the scenes. Yes. But it's cool to see a female's name as part of the written by credit and that it's an episode that focuses on a female character so that was pretty cool yep yep so uh, what were your overall thoughts of the episode i loved it it's uh, about Hera. it's about her home it's about um what she considers important it also shows us a more developed imperial side yeah more sophisticated, not as clumsy. Yeah. <laughs> now things are becoming harder. And they make it look like it's easy to yes. escape, but it's only because Thrawn is letting them. Yeah, the guy is shrewd, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he doesn't take things. Like, okay, this is my thing. Darth Vader went so far with little patience because Darth Vader lo lost his patience loses his patience a lot of times you know mm -hmm. then this guy with his patience willing to let people go and and he's nowhere to be found anymore <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah so i'm like sometimes it shows that it pays but sometimes it's like yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> you're gonna lose you're gonna lose you know what i'm saying mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because how can a guy this although he has a temper and we saw we a saw little it, bit yeah. of, of it, you know, mm -hmm. we, we see it escape. The only thing I can think of is that bottling so much, so many emotions makes him explode at some point that is not the best point, And that's where he lost, loses, you know? Mm. Well, he's purposefully losing in order. Yes, yeah. yes. He, he's conducting his experiments. Yeah. He wants to see how far the rebels are willing to go. He wants to see their reactions. Mm -hmm. He wants to study them. And I get it. But I think he pushes himself to a level of patience that he is not capable of controlling for too long. Oh, uh, okay. And that may be his undoing, mm -hmm. you know? He, he may put himself in a situation where losing his patience is going to be, you know, one of those moments where wrong place, wrong time, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because the, the only people I ever saw that logical and that calm were the Balkans. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and they had years of suppression of emotions, years and years and millennia of studies. And we see the opposite in the Romulans, because Romulans and, and Balkans are, are of the same line. But Romulans accepted a different path, one where they embraced their emotions on the warring side, while the Balkans chose to push it aside and eliminate it from their society. This guy, I don't think he's a Balkan. He's more <laughs> like a Romulan trying to be a Balkan. <laughs> I love how you had to bring Star Trek into the conversation. Hey, come on. I love it, I'm though. a Trekkie. I love it. I love... Um, I love Star Wars, and I love... I, I, I don't understand this two sides Animosity. Thing. Yeah, I don't understand I don't, it I don't get it. Yeah, because I love both. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting how people always pin them against each other, but whatever. <laughs> Moving into the episode, we have the chase at the very beginning and you have 
all this action happening and we're jumping in yes. in the middle of it. It looked like, like, like a Western movie yeah. where the two cowboys are getting to the ravine, you know, the two outlaws yeah. and, and the law, the posse is behind them, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. And it's cool that you mentioned Western because I, I honestly didn't even think of a Western. But yeah, it's exactly yeah. that, a Western. You have that, the, I think the, it's the because rock I, formations I, uh-huh. in the background. True, yeah. and yeah, the, the desert. The, all yeah. The, yeah. Maybe it's because I don't really watch I've n- I haven't watched a western in forever oh you need to yeah since I was a kid maybe you should watch Ridiculous 6 Ridiculous 6 yeah is that a good movie is <laughs> that I'm sad comedy yeah. oh god mommy no <laughs> <laughs> moving on <laughs> we have <laughs> we have the scout troopers who are chasing after them and it makes me wonder what Cham and Numa were doing to have caught the Empire's attention Cham does say the Empire is getting better at anticipating our moves. Yes, he, he does. He noticed that. And he, he says it that in the beginning, his movements were clumsy. Which oh, it's is one Slavins. of the, Yeah, Slavins, which is yeah. one of the tactics that Thrawn uses. Yeah. Where he, he likes to um, make his enemy think he's not as sharp yeah. as he's supposed to yeah, be. Yeah. And then you have Hera and the crew come to the rescue. They were on their way regardless to yes. for a supply run to give them the supplies that they need. And so they come in and rescue them. I love that. Hera has specific orders. You know, you go this way and I'll meet yeah. you there. <laughs> and Chan's like, my daughter's always serious. And, and, <laughs> and I love Numa. I see where she gets it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it runs in the family. Because <laughs> you know why? You're the same way, daddy. <laughs> At the same time, as they're flying down, I, it was interesting to see Ezra being in the seat to be shooting, shooting at, at, the, yes. at the Imperials. I, I figured that would have been like Sabine's role or something. Oh, or, or, um, or Zeb. Zeb. Yeah. So I guess it's just a, an emphasis on the fact that he's going to be playing a role in this episode with Hera. And I love the scout trooper that enters the ship. <laughs> <laughs> he enters so valiantly, like, yes, yes. I got you, people. I'm the winner. And like, then when he's in front of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> mm. and, and I like uh, Seb's uh, obvious statement. Yeah. You, you didn't know, think that through. <laughs> you didn't think that through, did you? And how he offers his his helmet, his uniform to, <laughs> to um, Ezra. Ezra. Like the guy doesn't not going to need it anymore, you know? <laughs> I, I really love the fact that moment actually reminded me a lot of like a Disney movie. It specifically reminded me of Flynn from Tangled. Yeah. I just thought his his movements were very like, like a dashing prince. Yeah, yeah, to like, save the princess. <laughs> yeah, like <"Hurra>, <laughs> poor guy. I mean, yeah. he tried. Yes, he did. He, he did a very valiant effort. Yeah, and I love that they reference Ezra's love of collecting yes imperial hey, helmets kid, you had this one <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and i remember when i had when i watched the commercials i thought because i knew ezra was going to be in disguise so i thought that was ezra in disguise and that just punched him for oh. fun <laughs> but no it turns out it was the other way and then once they're all been rescued, Hera and Cham end up hugging together. And he tells her that, unfortunately, that the Tan province has been occupied entirely. And Hera gasps. And Chopper does an oh no yeah, sort, of sort, thing. Of, sort of a, <laughs> a sound. Uh, sound. Like, yeah. oh my God, what? No. I like that fact that, and I know some people find this annoying, but there's always that one character who has to ask the questions in order to inform the audience. Of course. And I don't understand why people get annoyed by that. But it's... It, it, helps the story move along. I mean, they can't just address these things without informing. I had no idea what she was talking about. <laughs> so I'm glad Ezra asked. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what, what is the Tan province? He doesn't know. So I like that. And it continues to be the case where Ezra is the focus character. He is the one who represents the audience. At least most of the audience. I'm okay with him representing yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kanan is the one to say that yeah. it's where Hera grew up. He knows these details <laughs> about her. About her. Oh. <laughs> so beautiful. And then Champ starts talking about Captain Slavin. Slavin. Yeah, I like the fact 
before we even touch on Slavin a bit more, I like the fact that some people said Slavin and other people said Slavin. I've been pointing it out a lot more lately, but I really love the pronunciation differences. And so Cham refers to this individual, Slavin, and he says that his tactics has been clumsy. But this last attempt, this last imperial attack was actually very on point and it overwhelmed, it overwhelmed him. Cham is usually the one to overwhelm the imperials. Yeah. So we know that Thrawn... He's been influencing yeah. all the commands around and it's a turning point for the Imperials. They're winning. Mm-hmm. And I found interesting that Cham said that he had to escape his house or his home before the Imperials came in. And I never thought him to be the type of guy to be hiding in such an obvious place. I don't know whether it was the writing. Or well, maybe maybe if he wasn't hiding. Maybe that was his, his uh, base? base. But it's so obvious. <laughs> it, it is, and it isn't, because if you have the upper hand and you're controlling, you have to have a base, and what better than a place that you know? That's true. And your enemies are always going to find you. They're always going to know who you, where you are. That's never going to fail, so might as well be a place where I'm in control. That's true, yeah. It's sort of like Ezra's parents. Yes. Who had a little a secret so, area yeah. in the and house. The, exactly, yeah. you know? And and they mentioned this item called the Calicori, and it's a totem that's passed down from parent to child, and it records the legacy, uh, you know, the ancestry of that family. I like uh, how it looks. It, it, similar, the, yeah, similar to, to the, the, the Leku. The leku? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, the Leku. Are, it's pretty cool, the fact that it moves that way. Hey, yeah. And the little piece that was missing was eventually going to be what Hera puts would add. Uh, to it. Mm-hmm. And then I like that Sabine made a comment about it being living art, her being the uh, art. The artists of the group, yeah. (laughs) That was pretty neat. Hera is supposed to inherit this. Obviously, the people who are in love with the idea of Kanan and Hera were like, oh my god, she could have a kid, and then they could pass it on to the kid. I'm like, I don't really see, as much as I love Kanan and Hera, I don't really see them reproducing. Like, I don't see that as a goal or something that they have in mind, given who they are and the roles they play. So, who do you think that would fall to next? Like, personally, for me, I love the idea of her passing it on to either Sabine or Ezra. Or even Chopper. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that if it's not to one of her own, she will find somebody fitting. Mm -hmm. You you always find somebody to whom you want to give and pass along the things that you have that the things that you consider more important if you don't have anybody. Right. You know, there's always somebody. Yeah. I wonder who I'm going to leave my stuff to. Because God knows I don't want children. <laughs> uh, um, and if I do, I, I'd, I'd adopt like a, a teenager. And you don't let things go that easy either. I do not. No, no. you're very possessive. <laughs> so. um, although there are things that I find that I won't use them, so I give them away very easily. I'm more of the idea that you're going to leave a will. Where you're going to say, okay, this goes to this, this goes to that. Oh, no. You know what I want to do? I want to do a treasure hunt. I'm going <laughs> to... Okay. You're going to put them on a... I'm going to hide them and then I'm going to make a map. X marks the spot. <laughs> okay. And I want to do that. I, I'm pretty sure I know what your brother is going to say. <laughs> Screw that. I'm not, I'm not going for her crap. <laughs> because, um, yeah, my daughter's very possessive. Yeah, I like my things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then we find that this item is connected to her mother. Her mother cherished it. She was the one who was going to pass it down to Hera. And finally, we acknowledge, I mean, she was sort of acknowledged in a past episode, but we finally find a little bit more details about her. And we actually even see her in, in the mural. Picture, yeah. yeah. I'm the type of person who wants to see more mother and daughter relationships in Star Wars. I even wrote an article where I included you and me. You know, we are, obviously, you're the mom, I'm the daughter. Uh, Yeah, I I don't see how that can go any other way. (laughs) And then, you know, I brought up the fact that we don't really see it in Star Wars. So we're two Star Wars fans who don't see that being represented in the universe. And mothers often end up being pushed to the side or they end up dead in this case so while i was happy that hera focused on the totem and wanted to get it because that would honor her mother's memory i was sort of 
sad that it ultimately didn't end up in her hands. <laughs> yes, but with a good reason, because it also, in the end, she says it, you know, as long as we're all together, as long as we are a family. Yeah. You know, she lives on. Sometimes it's not necessarily the object that makes the memory and mm -hmm. the person is what she has instilled and put forth in educating the child that she has. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And and then her passing that on and to others. To others. Not, not necessarily her to children, her own, but, but like, to others yeah. around her. Because so. she's a leader. She's a Phoenix yeah. leader. So she passes on her knowledge And that's to because of her mom yeah. and who she was and how she was. Okay, well, I kind of accept it now a little bit more. But before, I was like, I felt like the mother was, in the end, not ignored because she was acknowledged. And Hera said, "I we will honor her this way. But, I, like, I just felt like... Yeah, to go through all that, that and not... And not end up with the the object that is supposed to represent her but then an even bigger intangible object replaces that's it that's true yeah okay you win you win <laughs> i always do <laughs> <laughs> do you think that it was right of her to even embark on a personal mission Do you think she should have... She, she, okay, we all have the right to embark on our own personal missions. What I think was a bit beyond, but then again, if you think of the relationship of these people on, and how they're grown and, and who they are and what they represent to each other, you see no other, uh, you know, no other path for mm -hmm. them to take. But I didn't like much the fact that she didn't really fall for it i would have preferred she put her foot down and said no i'm doing this on my own and then the group ended up helping her afterwards you know mm -hmm. but she surrendered fast to the help and in that i did uh, felt a bit uh, you know um, out of character uh, yes mm -hmm. but if you take into account who they are what they represent to each other then it's gonna happen mm -hmm. whether she says no or so might as well let it happen you right, know <laughs> right and Hera comes up with a plan with her father and Chopper and I think Sabine was also present and they try to figure out a way for her to get in but because there's not that many Twi'leks around it'll be e very easy for her to get picked up by the Empire so that's when Ezra steps in and he's like they might recognize her but they're not gonna recognize me and his <laughs> His, his full <laughs> gear. I love. I love that. It makes me wonder behind the scenes, like outside of that room, what what's going through his mind. He's like, I want to wear this whole outfit right now. now. <laughs> <laughs> It was like Christmas to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, he has a tendency of overhearing other people's conversations. Yes. <laughs> and then we move over to the uh, diversion part, where they all plan together, come together to divert the Imperial forces, so that. Ezra and Hera can slip by. I love how, I don't know if you noticed that uh, Seb yeah. had to like nod Canaan, uh, 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 yeah. you know, like we know he's blind. So he doesn't see things. He feels them. It is obvious that it's not until a moment of adrenaline yeah. where he feels everything yeah. around him. <laughs> so he still has to be nudged, you know, yeah, yeah. like, hey, come on this way. We're starting, you know? <laughs> yeah, I love that. That was pretty neat. And I like that Sabine and, and Numa were paired up. And that ultimately, though, the mission was taken on by Hera and Ezra. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I really like the fact that we saw them do this together because we haven't really seen them. No, you see that the boys with the boys yeah. and the girls, girls with, with the, the girls. girls. But we haven't seen this pairing yeah. where it's... An adult woman and one of the teenagers, especially the boy. Yeah. And what I loved most about it is that even though they're this family, this unit, it didn't come across at any point that she was the mom figure and that no. he was the son figure. No. They were they were friends, comrades helping her. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that that was never something that factored in because a lot of people take on this family idea and they're like, oh, she's the mom, he's the dad. They're the, well, the, we, we do it all we the do time. It, but at the, at the end of the day, he's, the, she's exactly. not his mom. Yes. She and is she is his commanding officer. Yeah. And also a friend, which is what he was doing. So yes. I, I always want to emphasize that even though they take on these roles, these pseudo roles that we and we assign to them, the, the, uh, the reality 
reality is that they're not. Yes. And I like when they pulled up uh, up to her her home. He said that it looked beautiful, and it actually reminded me of Lothal. Yes, sort of like um desert-y, mm. you know, kind of desolated, but at the same time populated. Yeah, you know yeah. that that mm-hmm. kind of feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I like that Hera called him a blurk dropping when she was pretending to be a captive. <laughs> yeah. A blurg dropping. (laughs) And then we see, once they get off their speeder bike, we see Chopper already in his disguise looking at the Y-Wing. We know he's a droid. Yes. We know this. Yeah. He's a machine, but man, is he more human than anybody right? in there. Right? Yeah. I thought the same thing. He he was mumbling and sort of like paralyzed yeah. at this image of his wreckage. You know, the place where he could have ended, mm-hmm. where his existence would have terminated and it was like wow yeah yeah and the mumbling yeah that's what was just like wow this he's stuck in a daze like he didn't turn to pay any attention to her or Ezra yeah that really got to me I was like wow this droid like what you said he's more human than the others yeah and it makes me wonder if it not just the fact that that was a turning point for him but it makes me wonder and I mentioned this before and I've mentioned this recently, whether the pilot might have been someone he, he, cared, ad- about he cared about. And, yeah, that he was... Or respected. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like Chopper and the way he is now, I think he is that way because of what happened. Yes. Maybe before he might have been more obedient, more... Yeah, I think he would have <laughs> had his own personality, though. Yeah, he would have. But, know, not, but as... not as uh, rebellious yeah. as he is now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes me wonder. As someone even theorized, what if what if the Y-Wing crashing had killed Hera's mom? I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. No, me neither. Forget, Do we know how Hera's mom died? I don't know. I don't think so. No? I, I don't know. That could be an interesting, yeah. yeah. I wish they had done something else with Hera's mom. Like, I wish she hadn't been dead. I wish she might have been, like, even though this is a terrible fate, I may, like, if she had taken been taken in as a slave somewhere or something. Something different <laughs> than a dead mom. <laughs> And, you know, they end up going to Cham's office to get the Cali Cori, which turned out to be very smooth. Even Erza was like, oh, that was easy. easy. (laughs) And, you know, he comments on the mural. He sees her mom. And I thought thought because my friend, uh, she had drawn Hera's mom months, months, and months ago, where she thought she'd be, like, blue or something. Uh So it'll give Hera's green color. (laughs) (laughs) But she actually turned out to be just as green as Hera. So then they are in the process of escaping now that she's has the calicory in her hands and they come across Thrawn. It's like, oh, snap. This is not going to be as easy as they thought. No. And I love that <laughs> Ezra's like, who's that blue guy? <laughs> I love Ezra has no sophistication whatsoever. <laughs> no, no. Straight to the point. <laughs> like, no, who's that? You know, who's that Imperial officer, or commanding officer? No, who's that blue guy? <laughs> and, you know, the, um, the, the others are still in the process of distracting the Imperial presence there. And Gobi ends up using his rocket launcher and he ends up using it in an area that would block off the passage. And I'm like, oh, you should have just used it on the uh, actual. <laughs> yeah, and then the actual thing. I said the same thing. For a moment that I thought, what, is he a traitor? <laughs> because it made absolutely no sense to me that he will use a rocket launcher to cause an avalanche just to block them. Yeah. Like, come on. Swore. Blow the thing up. <laughs> I thought I thought the same thing. No, and honestly, the first thing that came to mind was like, "Oh my god, he's going to miss! <laughs> he's going to miss!" <laughs> and then you have Chopper distracting the troopers for Hera and Ezra to get out through a different entrance. I love that the troopers are like, "What is he saying? Is, is he, he trying is to he, talk? Yeah, is he malfunctioning? <laughs> yeah." And it makes me wonder what what Chopper's actually saying, whether he's actually saying mumble jumble stuff and nothing that would be able to be uh, comprehended. Yeah. And then Slavin and Thrawn end up coming through that entrance as well. 
and unfortunately Hera gets caught and Slavin thinks her to be a servant. And dismisses her. And dismisses her. Which I honestly, like, I will keep harping on this, but I wish, and I know there are budgetary restraints when it comes to Star Wars Rebels, but I really wish that in addition to Ezra going undercover, that she could have gone undercover as well, where she was wearing just simple garments to sell the idea that she is a servant. And that she's a peasant. Yeah. Because she's wearing a pilot suit. Yeah. I mean, and it really gives it away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, it reinforces the fact that the Empire, that some Imperial officers are incompetent. Like, how do you not see that? And I, I know it's probably just for the, the purpose of the, the flow of the episode, but honestly, it bothered me because I'm like, he should have picked that out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and I know that makes Thrawn look smarter, but even even then, I'm like, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then he takes, uh, Thrawn ends up taking taking the Cali Cory from her. And he knows, obviously, right away that this yeah. person... She's now a who, servant. Yeah. I love what he says. That he, he says, To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not simply their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. It reminded me of... Ezra with the Sith holocron, you know, to in order to destroy your enemy, you must know oh, them. And that's something that honestly the rebels need to do. They yes, need to they know need to start knowing their, their enemy. empire. Yeah. They know only the results. What ends up happening when the empire comes in, but they don't really know the empire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't really know their structure tactics you know they don't employ they don't think and and gather information in that way yeah so in a way i like commander sato because he's more of the military part and i'm hoping that his roles progress and show more of the development yeah and we already seen where the um two new cadets that Wedge came in hobby, yeah. which i'm happy hobby hobby Javi, yeah. Yeah, that name. (laughs) And we know there will be part of the growth of the more of a bigger military side of the rebels. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I know there are some intelligence efforts. You know, Ahsoka was one of them. She was Fulcrum who yeah. gathered intelligence and whatnot. But yeah, it really shows you where Thrawn is. As and, opposed to... As opposed to the rebels. Yeah, and it's a very, very big wedge in there. You know, it's a very big distance. A big wedge, yeah. but I'm bumps. <laughs> <laughs> and rebels, the rebels ha- are gonna have to do a lot of growing. Yeah, and I like the fact that Hera, she was shocked that he knew that what he the Kalakori was. was. And again, it shows that he does his research. He yeah. knows what he's up against, and he's doing everything. He's picking out all. I, I like. I like to think of him, and we see him in the trailer. He has all these images up, and he's studying the rebels. But but if he was like on Earth, he'd be the one with the crazy red strings he's everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Putting it, yeah, <laughs> with the tags and pictures everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have Thrawn talking about her and the fact that she's been forged by war, which is true. He, he that he was very accurate. In describing her. her. Because Hera has grown up in such a hostile environment. And she's essentially been forged by war. And she's continued on with it. Like, it'd be difficult to see her actually settling down. Down, yeah. Like, I don't ever see that happening. Uh, yeah, I can't see Hera in a garden. No. Raising flowers. No, no. <laughs> and it's slaving. He just doesn't figure it yeah, out. He's like, well, okay, whatever. She's just, you know, I know. Uh, demeaning her constantly, you know, like she's nothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And meanwhile, she is one of the bigger pains <laughs> they have, yeah. you know? Exactly. And then Ezra is very quick to retrieve his blaster. But but nah, not quick enough. enough. And Thrawn shot first. <laughs> yeah. And he says rebels have friends always rushing to the rescue. And it's true. That is the that is the fault of And I wish that as much attention that I'm much surprised that his original his first comment about what the Colocory was and his her and who she was and her description that she caught on that. 
on his comment about rebels have friends always rushing. Right. Because they need to stop the rushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. They they do. And I think that's what and that's what makes the Imperial, the Empire so effective. Because look at Callus. They didn't spend any resources trying to find Callus. They didn't weren't We're rushing. rushing. No. They, they could just easily replace him. Yeah. Whereas the rebels took their time trying to find Zeb. And they're and, always and, rushing and, in. And, and, and we get it because that's what makes them that's what the makes good them guys. Exactly. But there, it ha- there has to be a balance. It cannot be all one extreme yeah and like, the other, Ezra, like you know? Ezra could have waited yeah he, he didn't have to take action in that moment but he did because he's yeah, Ezra, Ezra. <laughs> you know they become prisoners they're taken to a separate room and I like the fact that Hera said to him and specifically about the Calicori it is not for some collector's curiosity when I heard that it was immediately reminded about some because uh, I, I studied Native American culture and yes. when I was in Cornell when I studied archaeology and there was a, a big issue between archaeologists and Native American people and the fact that some archaeologists in the book that I was reading will look at Native Americans and their art and their culture and whatnot as something to be studied when it's actually like they're they're living history they're, living, they're still alive they're still alive the culture the, the culture may not be 100% the way it was but they are still there mm-hmm. it's not like the egyptians with the hieroglyphics and even so then it's, exactly but still you know it's not you have the history right there in front of you yeah yeah this is their artifacts these are their their possessions this is their culture their inheritance mm-hmm. to treat it like they're not there yeah yeah and the, and the whole lesson in the end was ultimately like we both have to work together in order to yeah. preserve that history that's the part of museums and history that I've I understand why it exists I understand the reasons for it to be there but it also alienates people because I don't want to go to a museum to look something I want to touch it I want to feel it I want to know how it feels something that was done I try so hard when I look at oil paintings and, and I just lose myself in trying to gather in my mind the texture that I'm seeing and as much as I imagine it it's never gonna be the same if I touch it yeah well you can't mommy but exactly <laughs> I can touch it and I understand why because our the oils in our hands can damage it yeah. and whatnot and we need to preserve it but at the same time it's frustrating mm. and I as a person who 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 sees and thinks and analyzes beyond the now I can understand that and come to an agreement with myself on it. Mm-hmm. But you know how many people out there don't think that way and they just get frustrated and they just stay away from it. They just don't look at it, don't love it because they don't feel it. And we all don't see things the same way. A lot of us need to feel things in order to understand them. Mm. Others are simply looking at them. It's enough for them to learn. Others need to hear. We, we all different type of learners right i think that's why and and i even took museum classes and some museums are actually very good now at providing like for example the star wars costumes exhibit it had um the information about the costumes obviously you can't touch it but they would have fabric pieces pieces yes for you to touch touch so that when you look at it you you at least have a sense of right what is it that you look at yeah and then the native native american museum down um on bowling green in manhattan they have pieces that you can actually touch like hide and and their weapons and whatnot and and so that way you you have and it's mainly for children so that they understand because children are more than just you see as we develop we develop our own sense of learning but when you're a kid you're a sponge it's you need all your senses you need to see hear touch smell Mm -hmm. it's what's gonna open your brain to all sensations and in the end it's what your body is gonna determine which of all those senses you're more attuned to i'm very visual i need to see and my second will be tact 
I need to feel things in my hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to create an exhibit for my class, and it was on. It was of, of all things, it was uh, guns, because <laughs> I, I was taking also a gun course at the time, a gun safety course. So I was like, oh, we could have a sample sample guns here and there, and I was like, well, I don't think that's gonna work. <laughs> but it wasn't like up to date guns. It was like um, muskets and stuff like that from the American Revolution and stuff. And then you have uh, Slavin saying that they should destroy that no, that trash, trash, that Twi'lek trash. And then you have Thrawn, who would not be happy about touching things, mommy. He would yeah. he would frown upon you touching things. Oh yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> but he got angry at him, and he's like, "I'm I'm sorry. Not everyone appreciates art." And, and this is why I say that that this guy is controlling more than he is capable of controlling. Mm. He's he's putting some emotions down that he should not be putting down because it's gonna it can come back and bite him. Yeah. And so now that they have Hera and Ezra captured, they contact Cham and the others and they say in order to give them up, we require that you exchange yourself. And Gobi is quick to say, no, not you. You're you're too important. And Cham says, and my daughter's not important. She's just as important as I am. And if something were to happen to me, she'll take over. I don't think Hera no. would, would no. sacrifice her position in fighting a bigger fight for fighting a smaller fight on Ryloth. I, I, I think Cham is still sort of in a few pages behind yeah. from where Hera is in the same book. And I found that very that comment very interesting because I don't think Hera would do it. No. No, I think, honestly, I think Numa would. Yes. Numa would be the one to continue on Cham's efforts. And I love I love that Sabine after the that transition ended, Sabine's like, could that trap be more obvious? <laughs> And I mentioned to you that it reminded me of Chandler Chandler, from Friends. From Friends (laughs) and his sarcastic ways. Yeah, yeah. Always emphasizing that that word. Could I be anymore? (laughs) And so you have Hera and Ezra who are stuck where they're at. And she apologizes to him for having taken him on this personal mission and putting everyone in danger. Ezra says, you know, we would have done it for you anyway. anyway. You would have done the same thing. And even Kanan said earlier, you, you would have done the same thing for us. And then you have Chopper barging in. <laughs> and I like that Ezra was trying to hear what was happening. And all of a sudden the doors open and Chopper Chopper rams him into his face. <laughs> And I love, I love, 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 like going back to Zed knocking that trooper out for Ezra's collection and this moment with Chopper running into his face. It reminded me of season one a lot. Like yes. they, they were actually having fun <laughs> while doing Something very serious dangerous. things. <laughs> and I love that. I miss that because I feel like now they're, now that they're, they're very into, serious. They're, yeah. they're, they're, it's more serious, more dangerous, more. There's not not enough moments of levity. Levity, Yes. And then Hera has no choice but to blow up the house. She even said it when it came to the Kalakori. She said, I would have destroyed it had I known that you were going to take it. So I I feel like she's also using that same logic on the house. Uh, house. I don't want the Imperials here. And she she also needed a distraction. Yeah, she did. So you know what? (laughs) If I can have it, nobody will. Yeah, yeah. And Ezra is kind of shocked by that. And he's like, but it's your home. And she says, my home is my crew, my family. And that that was beautiful. That's like a Hallmark card. Yes. (laughs) Home is where the crew is. Home is where the crew is. (laughs) And then you have Chopper, who's super excited. Oh, my God. Was he excited (laughs) about putting bombs everywhere? (laughs) I loved it. It was so funny to have seen him laughing and just, you know, having a good old time bombing the place. (laughs) And then Thrawn leaves to conduct an experiment. And it's basically to analyze from afar. What's going to happen? How are they behaving? Yeah. And then gathering that bit of information to process. How far are they willing to go? Go. Yeah. And it looks like they were willing to go pretty far (laughs) with that explosion. And and this pretty much uh, helps him measure, like, how he should approach the situation later on. 
So they're making the exchange. Yes, they're making the exchange. And then Hera's like apologizing. Yeah, sorry, (laughs) father. It's okay. Everybody gets caught. And not for that. (laughs) For blowing up (laughs) the house. house. (laughs) And and, and Chopper comes alone. And and, and you could actually hear him. At least I imagine what he's saying is good luck, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I love that chance reaction. It's like, you were serious. (laughs) Um, and Kanan, I love that he used that that rocket launcher. That rocket was coming towards him, and he, he ended up pushing it aside using the force. The, the what you call the, the chicken, chicken walker. walker? Yeah, the uh, ATST, I think ATDP. Uh, I don't remember. The whatever. It can be. Yeah. <laughs> and then I love that Thrawn. He says they earned their victory today. I found this whole experience to be very enlightening. <laughs> Oh, this guy. Yeah, yeah. He's he's very interesting in his tactics. Because not a lot of people would have let them go. They would have yeah. gone after them. And, and this is not the first time he's let them go no. before. Yeah, yeah. He's let them go before. So is this the second strike? Is there a third strike? At the same time, he's conducting his experiment at the same time he's observing their reactions how far will they go their tactics he's also building their confidence that is a dangerous thing because overconfidence can prove to be your undoing holy crap ma that's genius that's what Luke says to the Emperor. Your overconfidence is your weakness. Your I don't know who said it. Your friends is yours. Yes, the, friend, <laughs> your, your, the faith in your friends is yours. That was a very sad impression of the Emperor <laughs> But yeah, that's true. He's building confidence in the rebels. Yeah. Oh, we escaped yet again. Yeah. <laughs> but I like Hera's comment. And this is where I, I'm hoping that that doesn't stay there. When when she's on the table talking with her father, the, there's a phrase that she says about the, the whole experience. Like, Sindula tells Hera, you know, I've learned that the Empire are not underestimating you, you know. And, he's, and she said, at least not yet. Yeah. Confirming the fact that she knows they are catching up to them. them. Yeah. They're on to them. They know how they're going to behave. Yeah. So I'm hoping that that is the little seed they are planted for them to change yeah, their, their, their habits. Tactics, yeah. you know? They need to be unpredictable Yes, for Thrawn. Because Thrawn now has this Kalakori. He knows now an additional piece of information when it comes to the rebels. And he's definitely going to use that to his advantage later on. Yes. And then she goes on to say, you know, I thought I needed the Kalakori to keep my mother's memory alive. But I have you. And talking to Kanan, it was so beautiful. I have my father, and, I have, and I'm surrounded by my family every day. As long as we hold on to that, she'll live on. Which is very pretty. And I really love the uh, the image of Zeb giving yeah, Ezra right. a, a, a noogie. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that's something that we would see in season one. Yeah, yes. Like That was something we've seen. So it was great to have seen it again. And that these elements still exist. You know, they do have fun from time to time. It's not all doom and gloom. And uh, what did I say? I wrote it in my review. It was like a very, um, it was wrapped with a nice bow on top. And that was the end of the episode. Everyone lived. I thought... I thought, honestly, that Chan was going to die in this episode. That's somebody. I thought things were so serious with this season that Cham or Gobi, um, not Numa, I, I, I forbid them to kill Numa. <laughs> but I, I think that we're not going to see that happening yet because, again, Throm is, is making it about learning yeah. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. them. So he will put a very fast stop on the learning yeah, he, process. He if, purposely put them yeah. in that room yes notice that the room that they're in is right next to the the command command. center they could easily slip out and cause havoc and he did it purposefully because he was testing to see dang you thon yes (laughs) and some final thoughts on my part i thought it was interesting that ezra didn't use the force at all in this episode. yeah right he didn't use it at all like like his um uh his withdrawing from his you know Mm -hmm. Habits, old habits of using, which is good because this is what Kanan tells the big thing. What's his name? Kanan. Oh, Bendu. Bendu. (laughs) 
he tells Bendu, you know, he's too used to his weapon. He needs to learn how to solve problems without it. Right. Yeah. And even though he was unconscious for most of it, yeah. um, it was cool to see him not resort to those, yeah. to that way that he's so used to using. And I like that he was very supportive. He was very supportive. Yeah. And he, not once did he like say, no, we should do this or be annoying to Hera yeah. in any way. And I think it's because, you know, Hera had helped trying to find his parents at one point. And it was very sweet that she and Kanan had done that. So I think he was just repaying the favor. The favor. And so moving on to fan questions and thoughts, we have Stu Baca who said, hi, guys. I got so hyped about Chopper and the Y-Wing. Do you think we'll find out more in the coming season? Yes. 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 I want to say yes. I'm not exactly 100% sure. But given the fact that we had a very cool Chopper episode last season, I want to say that we're going to get something similar <laughs> this season because they're still focusing on characters of the crew. And I, I, it would be really great to focus on Chopper a little bit more because he's such a fun character, man. You know, every character in some way or another gets their chance to overcome some of their less desirable qualities. One of the things that obviously has been pointed out several times already is Chopper's fear and and memories of his crash. Yeah. And what happened to him. So it would be awesome to see him in a situation where he has to overcome that. Yes, yes. And that's another thing. I thought, what if he feels guilty for have not having not done enough? Yeah. For that pilot, for that mission that he was involved in. So if he's in that similar situation again, is he going to have like flashbacks or yes, something? Yes, that, that would it's be awesome. It's so interesting that the would fact be awesome. that this droid has so, so many similar qualities. Uh, he has a personality. Yeah. He's an individual. He has an existence like anybody else in that crew. Yeah. We definitely hope that it'll be covered more. Um, I mean, we've only seen uh, footage for the first half of the season. So who knows what the second half of the season will bring. And Stefan asked, with everything that went down, how much do you think Thrawn learned about the crew? I think he he learned learned a a lot. Yeah. He learned a lot. He he not only learned the measures they will take to help each other, to be there for each other, get whatever is needed for each other, but he also learned how far they will go to um fight the empire. As far as losing the very home they f- they are fighting to protect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that gives him an upper hand cuz he knows what tactics to put in place in order to get the outcome he's looking for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he can basically predict what they're going to do if he puts them in a certain situation. Yeah. He's a master chess player. Yes. And yes. I, and the rebels are just beginners. And there's... So it's like the, this guy is five moves ahead. Yeah. So that was a great question. Thank you. And Liam asked... Liam... <laughs> <laughs> I had hung out with him at New York Comic Con, so this question is sort of related to that. The fact that he said, how much would you pay for Sabine's business card? So I do this thing at Comic Cons where I go to Artist Alley, where all the artists are set up. And since I rarely have money on me to be paying $50, $60 for a drawing, what I do is I go around each person's table and I take their business card. Because usually the business card would have some cool art by that person <laughs> and it's free so, <laughs> so and then it, what's cool too is that if I were to like look up an artist and I needed to contact them for a commission or something I have their business card so it's like I walk away with great information so <laughs> in this case he's referring to my my crazy hobby of collecting people's business cards and I would pay for Sabine's business card although I yes. would hope that she would give them out for free, for free. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I think Sabine would have an awesome business card. If she's a good business person, she will give them out for free. (laughs) (laughs) And JD Hart said, first, love your show. Thank you. Thank you. And second, in my opinion, people are underestimating Hera. Do you think she will use Thrawn's own philosophy against him? Oh, I love that. I love and that again, question. I, and this is why I like that very moment in the end where she says that. 
because to me, that's a reflection of somebody's noticing that this guy is not as simple-minded as the others. He is not the same type of enemy that we've been dealing with. So, And I like that it's her who, who sees this. Yeah. Because knowing you have a problem is the first step. So if she realizes that they have a problem because they're beginning to understand them, they're beginning to know who they are and what they're willing to do, then she will be able to devise a tactic where it's a surprise to him. For, to him. Can you imagine turning the tables and this, on him? And this is the point where... And his anger. His anger is going to be his oh, undoing. Oh, yes. Because he's not going to be able to deal with that at that particular moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To have not seen something, not expect the unexpected. Expected. Yeah. Because he's somebody who fancies himself to be in control. Yeah. He controls. He makes the experiment happen. He's the one doing all the recording and all the data. Like, like, yeah. yeah, Collecting all the data that is needed to, in the end, come with a solution. To have a situation where he's not on control, that will be his undoing. And again, this moment where she says that to me, that is the little seed that I hope they exploit and they make bigger and use the fact that she's the one that sees this and realizes this. Yeah, for sure. And Megan said, love, uh, this was a comment. She said, love that they showed how much the crew cares for Hera and the music loved the haunting Thrawn theme. So I really (laughs) like the fact that they had like an organ playing in the background. It's very very reminiscent reminiscent of, what's his name, Pierce, like that he had this voice. You know, the guy that does the monologue in the the storytelling in the um, Michael Jackson video. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The uh, thriller? uh Uh Uh-huh. The the guy who does the voice, Uh I I forget his name. Uh Uh-huh. He used to be a bad guy, a vampire. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he has this uh, air about himself, very mystical thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it reminded me of that. When I saw Thrawn walking and the music, it reminded me of Vincent Price. A blue Vincent Price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think someone may have referred to that at some point when I was scrolling through Twitter. Um, unfortunately, I was not aware until yes. I, I looked it up. And, so. and and he he's um in a lot of horror black and white horror uh, movies. I see. Yeah. Gotcha. Patty asked, she has three questions. So what does your ma think of Thrawn's planning tactics and his experiment? So you kind of answer yeah. this. I'm, I'm very impressed by Thrawn and his approach to things. Uh, yeah. I, I like that this guy is different from what we've seen before. And just like how he is trying to study the group and try to predict their movements... It's very unpredictable yes. what, what's going to happen uh, ultimately at the end of the season when it comes to Thrawn. Because I, we don't know. I have no idea what to expect from this character and how he's going to go and crush the rebels. So I'm intrigued and scared. <laughs> and what do you both think Thrawn is planning by letting them go? Oh, he's definitely planning uh, he, something bigger. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole, a... Like I say, he's building their confidence. Yeah. He, he is distracting them by making them think that they are they won, capable, uh, that they want, they're capable of, 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 you know, going against tough guys and still come out the other side Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's a very dangerous uh, position Mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. putting themselves in that he's putting them in and what does ma think of the lack of mother figures in star wars yes we talked about this in the beginning well you talked about this it's not something that you really like think about about. yes i don't know to me Mothers never think of themselves as heroes or or as forgers of of something better, you know? Mm -hmm. We just do our job. This is what moms are supposed to do. So we never see ourselves in that grandiose or, or big 
pedestal. Mm. But you brought up a very good point. We don't see that. And I think that in the society that we are in, in, at the moments we live in, we need to see more of that. Yeah. There was a point where, where we... Like and I and I did mention this the first time I saw Nemo. Finding uh, Nemo. You uh, mean. Finding okay. Nemo. Finding Nemo <laughs> yes. and um the Lion King. The relationship between a father and, and his son mm. is very important. And in a society where there's such a high level of divorces yeah, that's true. and absentee pa- uh, fathers, mm. this was a, a, an idea that, that was very important to reinforce mm. that children need their fathers as well, mm. you know. Or a so, fatherly figure. figure. Yeah. So when I saw these movies, I was amazed that this is, you know, this is what we need. I, I love it. I, I love those movies. But then listening you speak, we, we're missing the other side. Yeah. We're missing the other half. And I wonder, as a woman, I noticed the need for movies like Finding Nemo and Lion King, if men somehow think the, the opposite. opposite way you know I don't, <laughs> it's i mean i can't we can't really generalize, generalize yes but it, it just given the trends and what's happening in storytelling you get the impression that no they're not really thinking about so, it so when you say when you make comments like that i i, I realize you know what maybe i don't want to be a hero, maybe I don't want to see, be seen as one or put on a pedestal, but obviously there's a lack of motherly figures. M- yes, of, of, of that experience, yeah. being, of children being exposed to that side of right. it. Yeah, and especially a healthy side of it. Like you have other relationships where the mother is not present. Either the mother is not present or the mother is an evil, wicked witch. Yeah, something like that, you know, where it's sad that we don't really see healthy relationships. And this is something that I brought up in the article I wrote. We don't really see healthy Like, I consider our relationship to be a very healthy one. We talk, we have fun, sometimes we have arguments, sometimes we learn from each other. But we don't really see that in a lot of the movies or the TV yeah. that we watch, especially in Star Wars. You know, you have, you see Cham and Hera, you see Vader and Luke, you see um, a lot of fatherly figures, Han and, and Kylo Ren, and their sons. And we even, uh, we've, we've been starting to see more mothers. We uh, There's a new character, recently new characters like Shara Bay, who's a pilot. You have Mother Talzin, who's Darth Maul's mother, who you'll find out more about later on. So you have all these mothers but their relationship is with their sons. Yes. You don't see relationships between a mother mother and and a daughter. daughter. That's important for a lot of girls out there. So I I, I feel like it's been neglected. And that's why I really like the fact that Hera acknowledges her mom in this episode. But then I also felt like, oh, that really wasn't what I was looking for. (laughs) But it was something. to take the good with with the the bad, bad, you know. And I was... So I'm hoping with Rogue One that's coming out, because again, that was that came off as like another daddy daughter issue, whereas the main character's father is going to be playing a, a role instead of the mother. But apparently the mother's been cast. Who, uh, who knows what role she'll play in the novel and in the movie. But it, it, again, it makes me wish that the person who's playing the father in Rogue One, I wish it was the mother who was that integral part that's going to play in the construction of the the, the Death Star, you know? Not mm-hmm. the father. So, ah! You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, Jonah, relax. relax. Calm down. Calm, calm down. down. <laughs> and finally, we have Franklin's email. He, it's just um, a, a nice comment about the episode. So he says, salutations. I would like to say to keep an eye on Agent Callus and his connection to Thrawn. We all are waiting on his defection to the rebellion, but I feel that Lucasfilm has a card up their sleeve. In Hera's Heroes, Thrawn brushed his hands on Captain Slavin's shoulder. Nothing too peculiar. However, Callus did the same exact thing to Ezra, Java, in quotes, Bridger, in Spark of Rebellion. Anyways, both of you keep on being awesome. May the force be with you, Franklin. So that was a cool comparison yes. between the two characters. Yes, yes. It's very subtle, but Lucasfilm is known for putting in the very very subtle things. things. So I, I, I really like the idea of Callus 
having genuine feelings about the rebellion and, and possibly helping them. You you had talked hey, about I, Alice. I, I, I need to see his redemption. <laughs> I, I, I need to. I, it is something that, that calls on me. I need to see him being <laughs> redeemed. Yeah. Being, realizing that oppressing and making somebody do the right thing is not the right thing. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know who maybe he might die a hero's death? You never know. <laughs> Sad times for yes. Callis, either way. And that's that. That's all we have for in terms of questions and, and thoughts. So thank you, everyone, for your, your input. So that's that for today's episode. Stay tuned for our next Rebels Chat when we'll discuss the episode, The Last Battle. And this is a Rex-centered episode. Oh my God, <laughs> I will be hearing screams and flailing and yelling and all that healing thing happening. So <clears throat> I'm very sad that this episode is called The Last Battle and that Rex is the focus in this episode. I, I suggest, Mommy, that you have 911 ready yes. to dial because um, it's going to be a very interesting 30 minutes. Oh boy. <laughs> In the meantime, make sure to rate and comment on iTunes and Stitcher. Visit thewookiegunner.com and follow Rebels Chat and the Wookie Gunner on Twitter. And may the force be with you. Always. Always.